Praise the Lord and good day to you and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on this beautiful day that the Lord has made for us to be able to rejoice and be glad in it, hallelujah, because we're saved and on our way to heaven. There's a place there being prepared for you as we speak by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but until we reach that destiny, we have to occupy this land, we have to travel through on this journey and reach the finish line. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to have my Lord with me every step of the way and those soldiers of the cross who are encouraging and edifying each other all the way to the finish line. Praise the Lord. Our study presently is in the secret and the fear of the Lord. This is going to be uh, the, the part four today. And uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. If you want to go ahead and get your Bibles and get ready, your pencil, your paper, get ready to uh, study the Word of God with us. Take a few notes today, pray about it afterwards, and let the Lord show you more of what you need to be seeing in the Word of God for such a time as this. Before we dig in today, though, I just want to uh, remind you that we have a... a a website, thecrosswaychurch.com. If you click on the store icon there, it'll take you to the products that we have there. And uh, one of those things is the uh, little booklet, Let's Talk About Righteousness. It is, let me look here, 55 pages long. And the focus of God's Word is Christ, of course. He is the living Word. But when you study and you begin to study righteousness in the Word, you'll see that it is the key that unlocks all the mysteries of what God is to His people and what God is doing in and among and through His people and how He does it. It's a wonderful little booklet. keeps you focused on the righteousness of God. It'll help you tremendously. You can get that in the store on the website. Another one is this 99-page commentary on the book of Galatians. It's called Holding On to the Truth of Calvary Through the Book of Galatians. And you can find this also on the website. Just click on the store icon. It'll take you there. I'm working on something right now. It's nowhere near being ready, but I'm gonna go ahead and show it to you this morning anyway. It's just on plain print paper as of right now. But uh, as you all know, I finished writing uh, the commentary, all 16 chapters of Romans, and I'm now in the process of getting it ready. You know the, the process, formatting and error checking and all that before it goes to be printed, and it will take some time. So uh, just pray about it. Pray for me, and uh, it's going to be a wonderful commentary. Uh, Romans Romans Bible Commentary, Know You Not. And it says on the bottom, Learning the Truth of the Gospel in the Letter to the Romans. It's going to be quite something. And as a matter of fact, I am presently looking into the possibility. Uh, I should find out a little information on it today. But looking into the possibility of putting these commentaries on the uh, in the in the store on the website in ebook form, I, I, I'm I'm inquiring about it presently. I don't know if we'll be able to, or if we won't be able to. But I'm looking into it so uh, that you may be able to possibly just uh, download an ebook uh, these commentaries as ebook uh, later on. So pray for me and all these uh, endeavors the Lord has given us to put the focus of the His Word in the gospel context out to the world. And uh, we're just excited about everything the Lord is doing in our midst and through us. He's not looking for big numbers. He's not looking for professionalism. He's just looking for hearts that'll admit the cross of Christ is the answer for all things. And that's his, that's his opportunity right there. He's looking for to pour the revelation after revelation to take you from grace to grace, faith to faith, glory to glory. Right there is where it all happens, my friend. Not in all this other stuff going on. In the revelation of the cross of Christ comes 
everything God is and that God is offering of himself to his people. And I'm so thankful to have been brought to the knowledge of that. And uh, I mean, I am so thankful for the revelation of of the, the message of the gospel, the cross, Christ and him crucified. And those who turn away from that and reject the focus of that, move away from that, well, they're, they're the ones that have to pay the, the price. And uh, But we continue to pray for a lost world and we continue to pray for a, a sleeping, dead, backslidden church that the Lord is attempting to wake up unto righteousness. Hallelujah. So here we are today. And don't forget, everything we do at Crossway Church here in Queen City, Texas is uploaded to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Please go there and subscribe so that you will get alerted when we upload something new. And uh, so we're just so thankful this morning to be gathered around God's holy words of life, light, and liberty. And I do pray that you would open your Bibles and follow along with us so that you can see that which is sound, so that you can become sound and even more sound in the doctrinal truths that our Lord has given us. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 today. This again is part 4 of this series we're doing, The Secret and the Fear of the Lord. And we based this series really with its springboard scripture, if you want to write it down, unless you already know it, and that is Psalms 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is with them who fear him and he shows them his covenant. My friends, it is that exclusive. It is that exclusive. And uh, the church being asleep and dead today for the most part will refute that statement. We'll try to get around that statement, but the way of the Lord has always been very exclusive, so exclusive that Jesus said very few would find it. And it's not that it's not out there to be found, but it's that very few will love the light rather than the darkness because of their love for sin. And <clears throat> But there is a few today, and there will always be a few here and there who are holding that, that torch of liberty, that blood-stained banner all the way to the finish line and with the message of the cross, the focus of the cross of Christ all the way to the finish line. Hallelujah. So uh, uh, again, uh, go to the uh, YouTube channel. You'll find everything that we do. But let's dig into this this morning here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. And I'm believing our Lord for a great impartation today of truth into our hearts for the purpose of his will being accomplished in our lives. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, we're not going to go back and teach again what we taught in the last session, which you would have to turn to the end of chapter 6 to see what these promises are. I'll just mention them. The main promises is of, of here concerned for us in this study is that if we will stop touching the unclean thing, that which is making us unclean in our condition, in our experience, then God will receive us and he will be our God. We will be his people and he will be found walking in us. That means guiding us, carrying out his will in us. And that those promises are what he's referring to here. He says, and because we have these promises, if what he's saying is if you want to experience these promises because they don't just work automatically just because you got saved. We've learned that the hard way and most still don't know that. I mean, Andrew, my son, told me something months ago. He said, Dad, I, 
I, I think most of the church just thinks God is working in our lives whether we're in the faith or not, whether we're carrying functioning in the faith or not. And, and he's right. Most of the church thinks that God is just doing what God is doing with or without us. And it's just absolutely false. God requires faith for you to experience grace. And if we're not experiencing grace, then we are not walking with the Lord. We're not walking with the Lord if we're not experiencing the grace, which is the spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to know these things. It's very important. The church today is just in a vain imagination, make-believe. Well, ever this is God, and that's God, and God's doing so much. You can't just say he's just doing one. No, he's not just doing one thing, but he's only doing all the things he does through one avenue. That's where we need to make sure we understand. God's doing an innumerable amount of things, but he's only doing all that he's doing if it is him doing it through one narrow exclusive avenue, and that is through one's faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Yes, I'm sure there are angels working, millions of angels doing things, ministering to the heirs of salvation by doing that or doing that, but we're not here to search out angels. We're not here to look for angels. We're here to be led by the Spirit of God, and He looks only upon the heart because from the heart come all the issues of our lives. The book of Proverbs tells us that. And he deals with the heart because there is where we either believe under righteousness, the obedience under righteousness, meaning faith in the sacrifice of Christ, or it's in the heart that we're serving the sin nature by trusting something other than the cross and it's always unto death. That means a place of unfruitfulness because grace cannot function when we're serving the sin nature. And see, again, a lot of Christians don't think that they can even serve the sin nature. And that's because the sin nature is deceiving them and slaying them. Read chapter 7 in the book of Romans, and you'll see that Paul, as a born-again man, found himself being deceived by the law that he was attempting to obey because he thought just because he was saved now and, and, and born again now that he could go obey the law. But you're going to find out you can't obey the law whether you're lost are saved. Only as we walk after the Spirit, meaning faith in the sacrifice of Christ, can the law, the righteousness of the law, be found being fulfilled in our hearts. And that's Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 4. You'll find that, that the law can be fulfilled in our hearts only as we walk after the Spirit who always, here it comes, 2 Corinthians 4.11, who always delivers us unto death. And you're going to see that verse becoming more and more in the face of those who are, have spirit-taught hearts in the days ahead. These things that we should have been preaching and teaching for 2,000 years, it's been pushed out of the way for fleshly gain and for, for all sorts of uh, the love of money. And we push these things that are of necessity for the body of Christ out of the way. And when we do, then what's before us, is God's not going to work in it. God works through one's faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Outside of that, we're serving the sin nature, and that's just what the Bible teaches. you got two avenues. We're serving the sin nature unto death, meaning the unfruitful place for the child of God, or we're serving obedience, meaning Christ's obedience, unto righteousness, meaning Christ's righteousness through our yielded heart to the death of Jesus, the cross of Christ. The gospel, hallelujah. So watch this now. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. 
And what happens when we're found in this process, we're going to talk about this today because you and I don't have, the first thought is, well, what do I got to go do to cleanse myself? The, let's get this right on the table. Right out here is the big bouquet today in the middle of the table of the Lord. There is no cleansing agent outside of the blood of Jesus. There is no doing on our part that can cleanse us as far as things that we carry out. I can't go do a work to cleanse myself. I can't go do a big piece of good to cover up a big piece of bad. I cannot do physically anything to cleanse myself. And he's not talking about a bar of soap here. He's talking about the things that are taking place in the heart. So watch this now. Although we're being told to cleanse ourselves, cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit because this is the place where perfection, the, the perfection of holiness is taking place. It's called here in this Bible verse, in the fear of the Lord. This is one of the things that's happening in the fear of the Lord. Get this now. Holiness is being perfected in these little words that don't mean very much, mean more than we could ever imagine because the word in is reveals there's a place in this room, in this chair, in this, in this cup, in in this world, in. In represents and reveals a place. So when we see here that perfecting holiness takes place in the fear of the Lord, that's a place, my friend. And, and, and we're talking about a place in the heart, a place of experience, a place of experience. And, and I'm not going to go back and teach the other sessions over. And if you've not heard them, you need to go back and listen to the first three sessions concerning there, where there's a strong confidence in the fear of the Lord. And, and there's a place of refuge in the fear of the Lord. The word in, this right here, will help the church tremendously to understand when you see that little two-letter word, I-N, in, that is revealing to you a place, a place of experience for the Christian. Listen, when you and I were born again, we were immersed. The Bible uses the word baptized in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, in to Christ. That was an experience, we entered, that's an experience. We were placed, immersed, baptized into the death of Jesus. The word in is an experiential place. It's, 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 it's like when you were immersed into Christ. That was an experience. The born again uh, uh salvation, the, the way, the born again experience was just that. It was an experience and it was God's operation of placing you or actually removing you from a, a world of domination of sin and darkness and translating you into the kingdom of his, of his son and the light of his kingdom. And you need to know these things. When you see the word, the, the phrase here, in the fear of the Lord, you got to understand the fear of the Lord is an experience of the heart. The fear of the Lord is an experience of the heart, but the fear of the Lord means the value, the worth of the Lord. That, that's what it means. You know, you look the word fear up anywhere in the Bible and you're going to find that it means reverence. And you can't teach this enough when when it's concerning the fear of the Lord because the blessings take place in the lives of a Christian in the fear of the Lord. And that really is concerning the value that we place on God. So every time you look the word fear up, you're going to see that it pertains to reverence. And in that word reverence is the word revere. And 
To revere something means you place an estimated value of worth on whatever that is, whoever that is, whatever that might be. You and I place a value of worth on it. I was thinking the other other day concerning the value and the worth that we place on God is going to determine the affection that we give him from our hearts. And see, you know, a lot of people have a, a lot of problems in the church being faithful to God, and it's all related to their affection for him. Their affection, however affectionate you are toward the Lord, that's how faithful you're going to be toward the Lord. You might be listening to me and say, well, no, brother, it's all based on uh, the object of your faith being in the cross of Christ. And that's true. And if your faith, my friend, is in the sacrifice of Christ from the heart, not just words, not just going to a, to a, a gathering of people two or three times a week that, that preach and teach the message of the cross, but if that's where your heart is yielded, your affections are going to be set on things above your affection is going to be increasingly growing in the Lord, your intimate relationship with Jesus. And my friend, I don't care what anybody says, your service to him is always going to be based on your affection toward him. And that's always going to be based on the value from your heart, his worth to you, his worth to you. Amen. There's people that can't do this and can't do that. Listen, I worked 40, 50, 60 hours a week and went to prayer on Monday night, studied all week the Word of God, went and ministered on Wednesday night, worship service, went and worshiped and and preached on Sunday morning, and and that's just the basic things that we do outside of all the other things. And I worked 40, 50, 60 hours a week for 12 years and pastored this church, my friend. I'm not boasting in me. I'm boasting in God's love for me, my recognition of that love and the acceptance of that love and an increasing value of his worth to me in my heart that I can do all things through Christ who will strengthen me. I'm not looking for excuses not to be faithful. I'm looking for more ways to be faithful. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I'm not boasting in myself. If you think I am, then you're one of those people that would have thought Paul was boasting in himself when he said, I labor more than all them, but by the grace of God. So you got to be careful. You got to be careful. This is Christianity today, my friends. For the most part, Christians looking for a reason not to go to church, not to get in the Word, not to pray. Anything pops up out of the ordinary, they're distracted and moved aside. Oh, but God loves me. I'm okay. God's merciful, and He is all that. But our value of that, if it's proper and properly increasing, the Bible says we're going to be increasing in our faithfulness to Him. Hallelujah. And this is where you'll find yourself in the fear of the Lord. Glory be to God. Let's read it again. Now, the, now, the, the, the church that's, that, that doesn't like sound doctrine, they'll have a problem with everything I just said. Well, you're not putting me under law, brother. Listen, I'm not living under law. I'm living by grace, but I'm also one of those that understand scriptural truth that reveals to us that that to whom much is given, much is required. And grace is much more given to us and worth more to us than the law ever was. Hallelujah. Somebody will get that in a few days. I hope it. And it'll just, man, the light will come on and you'll find yourself running this race again. Glory be to God. So having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit And if we'll learn what that means and how that's carried out, we'll find ourselves perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 
So again, before we move on, the big bouquet of beauty in the center arrangement of the table of the Lord has always to be the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. His flesh and his blood has always to be the beauty of the table of the Lord because that's the only thing on it and there's no need for anything else to be on the table of the Lord for that supply supplies everything. So let's look at a few more scriptures this morning that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth can comfort our hearts with and increase the revelation that we have of our Savior and what he's provided for us at Calvary. The first one I'd like to bring into the, uh, this, uh, uh, these, uh, this lesson today is this, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, and maybe what we're studying here in 2 Corinthians 7 will help us understand Hebrews 6 and 1 better. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, leaving therefore, leaving the principles, the first things of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And I'm not going to go on into that there. I just wanted to bring this scripture here to the, to the table today because the Bible there, and what he's referring to in Hebrews is a lot of Christians were caught as babes and paralyzed. They were no longer growing, and they were told by the Holy Spirit that they should have been teachers by now, but because they were unskillful in the word of righteousness. Go back and read it. It's in Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. They were babes stuck in a place of being babes, which is not the will of God, and it was because the reason is there given it was because that they were not skillful, that word means experienced, experiencing the word of righteousness, the word of the cross. You've heard me teach it if you follow this ministry. All of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. That means all of God's words are, there's that little word again, in. They're in a place. They're not just floating around for us to quote and declare and hope God does something. All of God's words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. And Romans 1, 16 and 17 tell us that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Therefore, it takes the gospel for the revelation of of righteousness for us to be able to understand all of God's words. Now, we know we understand by faith. And you say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes, God tells us that through Paul in Romans 10 and 17. But Peter writes in 2 Peter 1 and 1 that the faith we've obtained comes through righteousness. All of God's words are in righteousness. The righteousness of God's words are only revealed in the gospel. The gospel is Christ in him crucified, the avenue through which we obtained faith, and the only avenue through which faith comes if it comes. We have to hear God's word in its righteous context. Remember Romans 1.18, if we hold God's words, God's truth, in an unrighteous context, his resistance is against us. His wrath is against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness that is taking place. He won't honor it. He won't accept it. He won't reward it. He won't work in it. So this is very simple, but yet you may be thinking, wow, I've never heard this. This is so deep, and this is where the modern church says, I don't need to know all that. I just love Jesus, and I know he loves me. And my friend, that has caused many a false Jesus to be made up in the vain imaginations of men's minds because we don't want to be found 
in sound doctrine. When a lot of Christians today, when they hear the soundness of true scriptural doctrine, they push it aside because it confronts their pretending. It confronts their make-believe. It confronts what the flesh has been controlling them through, just their fleshly, you know, I, I believe the Bible, I believe Jesus died for me, and I want to go to heaven, and I believe I'm going because I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. But when sound doctrine comes, instead of it moving us into the fear of the Lord, because we're not walking in the fear of the Lord, we don't really want to hear sound doctrine, which will always result in the Lord showing us, making known to us his covenant. Remember Psalms 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is not with everybody. It says there, the secret of the Lord is with them who fear him. And he shows them his covenant. Those that God sees, their hearts are perfect. Isn't that what the writer says in Second Chronicles? Uh, I don't remember exactly where it's at. Maybe chapter 9, verse 16 or 16, verse 9. One of those, write it down and look at both of them. You'll find it. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth seeking that perfect heart that he might show his strength in that place in that heart on the behalf of, in the behalf of. Amen. A perfect heart is toward the cross or it's not perfect in God's eyes because there is nothing perfect if it doesn't include Jesus and his perfect and complete work at Calvary. Perfection does not exist among men. We will never be fully sinlessly perfect in this world until we see Jesus, the perfect and sinless one. Hallelujah. We're not going to be. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be learning to walk in a place where we're determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified, determined not to look upon anything but that which the Holy Spirit is delivering before us always, which is the death of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4.11, so that we can experience all that God has for us. We're going to all, the presence of sin is not going away until we're with Christ. We meet him in the clouds, then the, even the presence of sin is gone. But right now, my friend, you better know this, the law of sin is at work in our members against everything that is godly in our lives to prevent us from experiencing this very thing we're talking about, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so let's, let's go back and read, read that again. In Hebrews 6 and 1, we're told those babes in Christ who've been paralyzed because they are not experiencing the word of righteousness. They've learned about Christ. They've learned about the, the, the foundation of repentance from dead works. They, they, they've heard these basic principle truths of, of faith toward God that the Bible calls the principles of the teaching of Christ, the first things you learn as a baby Christian. But now it's time to go on into the experience of perfection, which is we see in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, holiness being perfected in the fear of the Lord. That's, that's what's being perfected is the holiness of God in us. And that refers to the sanctification progress. A lot of people don't like to say anymore progressive sanctification. And, and, and I kind of understand a little bit of that because Jesus was made unto us sanctification, 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. And when we were born again, we were at that moment sanctified. And now I like to use the term, I think it's more scriptural, to experience this sanctification that we've been made in Christ progressively. That is biblical and scriptural because we know uh, 1 Thessalonians, I believe it is, chapter 4, verse 4, we've been told that we all need to learn how to possess our vessel in sanctification, that we already are, but we need to learn how to possess our vessel in, there's that place, in sanctification and honor before the Lord. That means what we 
who we are and what we are in Christ Jesus needs to be being perfected. You understand that? You, you are holy in Christ, but here we see that holiness can be perfected in the fear of the Lord. And the reason it needs to be being perfected in the fear of the Lord is because we're constantly going through things that are causing a filthiness of flesh and spirit. Now, I'd like to read another verse now in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Because a lot of Christians think that, that, that they got saved and they're cleansed, and that's true, but that's initial, positional, doctrinal truth. That when you were born again, you were washed clean. All your past sins were, I said past sins, were washed away, and you're forgiven of all sin. You are eternally forgiven. But we also have this thing called a conditional experience that we all are in right now. If that didn't exist... We wouldn't need to have been told anything in the New Testament other than how to be saved and all the blessings that we have. But God, being faithful, has revealed to us not only how to be saved, but how to live saved and how holiness is perfected, meaning our salvation is being perfected. Paul said, we're not of those that turn back unto perdition, but those who go on unto the saving of the soul. That is an experiential condition that we're in now. We wouldn't need to have been told in Romans 6 and 16 that there was two options now for the Christian. We would just be in the one and on the path of the one if it was automatic, but it's not. If, if we, if listen, if holiness just was just being perfected in the fear of the Lord without us being involved, we wouldn't need to be told these things. It would just be doing for us what. He died for this, how this to be working for us. But it doesn't work that way, my friend. Why? Because it requires your faith. Constant, perpetual faith. You'll have to admit it this morning. Every time you've ever done a big piece of stupid, every time we've ever committed a sin, every time I've ever become sinful in anything, it's while I was not trusting from my heart in the death of Jesus. Every single time. Oh, I still believed in the cross, but my heart was not yielded to it. See, it's a matter of heart. We could, we're, we're, we're believers in the cross of Christ, but we are not. We are not every moment of our lives yielded to the truth of the gospel because if we were, then we wouldn't do what we do. Amen. Oh, we listen, we always believe the cross happened. You won't ever make me believe it didn't happen, but there just might be a time that I'm not found yielded to that truth. You believe it so, I hope you do, because it is. This is why we're told in Philippians chapter one to be found striving together for the faith of the gospel. Listen, if everything just worked automatically by the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't need to be told to be found, and that means by God, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So watch this, 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. This is talking about, this is part of that cleansing ourselves. This is the cleansing process we're talking about. <clears throat> Basically saying, it's trusting in the death of Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, that doesn't mean we admit it happened. That means we're found step by step striving to keep our faith, fighting the good fight of faith, not against sin, but to keep my faith anchored in the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. You, you think that's something easy to do? Well, then you just try to do it next time your flesh demands that you say something you know you shouldn't or you stay quiet when you know you should have spoken or you did something you knew you shouldn't have done or you didn't do something you knew you should have done. You just try trusting in the sacrifice of Christ in that moment and you've got the fight of your life on your hands, my friend. 
You've got the fight of your life on your hands that if you find your heart yielded to the sacrifice of Christ, you will find yourself in more than a statement of I believe the cross happened. It will be the power of God to you who are saved in that experience that you are in. Hallelujah. Oh, that's what makes the preaching of the cross, the heart yielded to the message and the reality, the truth of the cross, the power of God. Hallelujah. Oh, you and I, we do it more often than we want to admit in public. We push that aside to say or to not say or to do or to not do something that our flesh wants to participate in. And that's why we're told to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit that's being uh, 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 tainted, becoming spotted because of our being moved by our flesh instead of the Spirit of God moving through our new man to bring forth the fruit of who Christ is in us and through us. Come on, somebody. So 1 John 1, 7 through 9 gives us more insight into this great truth of what it looks like for us to be found cleansing ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Let's read this together today. 1 John 1, 7 through 9. But if we walk in, there's that little word again, the light. See, the light is a place. The light is a place. Because when you're told in something, that, that, that's, listen, that's a place. That's a place. You have to be in something to experience whatever that something is. And Christ is our light. And we are, as Christians, in him. But we're told in Colossians 2 and 6 that as you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, walk in him. Just because I'm in Christ doesn't mean I'm walking in Christ. You know it's true, but what we just gave as an example. Just because I'm saved by Christ does not mean that I'm living for him now. There are those moments you know it's true. And he is merciful and gracious and always reaching and always delivering us unto death so that we can repent and continue in this fellowship with him. Watch. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. You say, yeah, I, yeah, I know that, but we walk by faith. That's right. And the faith we walk by is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Where he gave us was where he made us righteous and put us in a path of righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 20 says he only leads us in the paths of righteousness. He don't lead us in no other path. Get this. So the light he's walking in is the light of the path of righteousness. Psalms 37 and 6 says that he's made our righteousness to be our light. The path of the righteous shall shine more and more until that perfect day. So remember that. The light he's talking about is the light of his righteousness. Remember, he is the son, S-U-N, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. He is the son, the light of righteousness. Glory be to God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship one with another. And that's talking about not you and me. That's talking about you and him. You say, well, I'm always in fellowship with Jesus no matter what's going on. That's not true. The church of Laodicea in Revelation 3 and 20, Jesus was outside the door knocking 
hoping they would open the door and he could get back into fellowship with them. An already saved and spirit-filled church, he was on the outside knocking on the door of their hearts. That is not a letter to the lost world. That's a letter to the saved and spirit-filled church in Laodicea. You can't just use that any way you want to. That's to saved people who are not walking in the light that he's in. The light that he's in is the light of his righteousness, glory be to God, which only can shine if our hearts are trusting in his sacrificial work. He that knew no sin became our sin-bearing offering that we might be made the we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. So watch this very carefully today. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And this is what happens in this fellowship in the light with him. This is how you know you're in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, and many are today, we deceive ourselves, and many are today deceiving themselves. And the truth is not in us. These people that say they have no sin nature, they have no sin, the truth is not in them. That means Jesus, who is the truth is not in them. That's powerful, but it's Bible and it's sound. Don't matter who likes it, who don't like it. Every time God showed up and killed a bunch of people in the Old Testament, they'd, they'd get mad at God. Well, you know what they had to do every time they got mad at God? They had to get over it. Well, that's what we have to do when we're confronted with the truth of the Scriptures and our flesh don't like it. We got to get over it or we can't go on with God. We got to get over it or we can't go on with God. Do you understand that the Lord won't walk with you except in the light he's called you into? Let me say that again. The Lord will not walk with you in something, anything other than the light in which he's called you into. And that's the light of who he is. And he's who he is to you because of what he did on the cross. And that's it. That's it. Your heart yielded to that truth. You were, you were brought near by the blood, Ephesians 2.13, and, and you entered in to Christ. So watch this, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse, there's that word, us from all unrighteousness. Did you see that? From all unrighteousness. Now, I'm going to also read this morning Psalms 111, verse 2. Because this is out of all the works of God that can be seen in creation, all out of all the works of God, the most precious work of God is what he's doing in the heart of man. Because all the others don't mean anything to us properly and will have no effect on us if the work he's doing in the heart is not recognizable and understood and experienced moment by moment. I want to read this, Psalms 111, verse 2, this morning to us. The works of the Lord are great. Sought out, sought out, looked for of all them that have pleasure therein. Let me read that again. The works of the Lord are great, and they're sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. Those who are seeking the working of the Lord are those who have entered into the working of the Lord. You see, Jesus was sent to do the work. He perfected it and completed it and now is attempting to work that work 
in you and me. 2 Corinthians 4.12 says, Now death, meaning the death of Jesus, and our death with him works in you. That's what God's working in us. This is why we must never move the cross even over out of the way a little bit. It must be the theme and the focus that that will allow all the other topics and themes of the Bible to make sense and to have their place of impartation being that of faith in the blood. There's nothing being imparted into the heart of man less unless it goes through the blood of Jesus, a heart yielded to the truth of the sacrifice of Christ. We can learn scripture in our mind and quote it and look like we're professionals, but the heart only accepts blood-dipped words. Words in righteousness. That means words that come through the work of Christ at Calvary and our faith therein. The heart can only accept a blood-stained word of God. This is, this is taught in the Old Covenant in Exodus 24. I can't ever stop quoting this. Moses read the, the law to the people, and then they said, we'll do it, we'll be obedient. And, and Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and the word and the altar because without the blood, there is no people who can function properly. Without the blood, the word is just being talked about. Without the blood, uh, uh, the, the, I mean, the cross, the altar was nothing without the blood. The word is nothing without the blood. The people are nothing without the blood. And I'm talking about experience too. You see, what we're talking about this morning is cleansing ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit as we're found in this perfecting holiness place. And it's in the fear of the Lord, this place we entered into when we were born again. It's in this place where we see the value and the worth of God. Let me say to you again, 2 Corinthians 4.11 says that we're always, us who are alive, are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake so that what he died for us to have in that he died for what we could become in that he died so this condition we have could be glorifying God and magnifying Christ. This, it's for his sake. Amen. And so only as we're beholding Let's turn to back a few chapters here. We don't have very long this morning, about eight minutes left. Let's turn back here to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, but we all with open face, the veil is gone because we're believers in Christ. With open face, beholding as in a glass, a mirror, this reflection of, the glory of the Lord. Remember, we can only go from glory to glory if we're being moved from faith to faith as the righteousness of God is being revealed in the gospel, the gospel being that of who Jesus is and what he did at Calvary. Watch now. Beholding, that means looking at, as in a glass, the reflection, the glory of the Lord are changed this is the cleansing process. We're not being changed and conformed into the image of Christ outside of this cleansing process. Our walk with the Lord in the light that he's in, this, this being changed into his image is also the process of being cleansed from all uncleanness and filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Watch this now. We're beholding as in a, a reflection, this glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. Get this now. This that you're beholding is the death of Jesus. And only as you're beholding it and trusting in it 2 Corinthians 4.11 is the Holy Spirit able to work that death in you and move you by who 
what he's doing, the Spirit of the Lord, and move you from glory to glory in this cleansing process, this fellowship that you have with Christ. It's far more than some vain imagination. Vain imagination. Vain thoughts that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. We'll be talking about this coming Wednesday night in the series that we're doing there, but I wanted to bring this scripture in. Because, listen, are you beholding the lamb slain for you today? Only as you do are you going to learn and realize your place with him is you're dead and hidden. You're dead with Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. You're dead with Christ and hidden in God. Your refuge, your hiding place, it's in Christ. But the experience of your being in Christ now in your condition, in this process, is beholding what you're being delivered to always. Well, I don't want to hear about the cross no more. Then you can't be changed anymore. You say, well, if I just need to hear about God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's tender heart toward me. Yes, you do. But if you're not hearing it through the cross, through where the reflection's coming from. Oh, my goodness. If you're not beholding the only place God has given to you that reflects who he is, my friend, then everything we're doing is not going to be by the Spirit of the Lord for Jesus' sake. And again, that goes back to all this hocus-pocus out there uh, that you're seeing now in the... In the, in the, in the, in the in, uh, I don't know what they're called, but uh, it, it's not of God talking about that, that we shouldn't be focused on Jesus. We should be focused on the Spirit. My friend, everything we're doing is for Jesus' sake, by the Spirit, not for the focus of the Holy Spirit. For the focus, the focus is Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And if that's not what you're beholding, you're not being changed, and the deliverance that you're preaching and teaching cannot deliver anybody. Nobody saved or delivered or growing and maturing or being used of God's spirit outside of beholding the Lamb of God. And to disagree with that is to be in a disagreement with the soundness of doctrinal truth. And that's where we are as a church. Very few are not concerned about the money. Very few are not concerned about some legacy. Very few are, are, are not concerned about how many people they have or don't have. God's ministers are ministers that are going to bring the message to the table so that God's people can eat off his table. And when that's going on, fear, dismay, and lack is going away. Jeremiah 23 and 4 said, God said, when I raise up shepherds for my people, they'll be bringing to my people that which removes fear, dismay, and lack. And there's not but one offering from the Lord that removes all fear, dismay, and lack, and that's the sacrifice of Christ. My goodness, it's been good today. I hope you've taken some notes. I hope you've uh, heard from the Holy Spirit. Those who have spirit-taught hearts are walking in the light with the Lord, the light that he's in, and they are becoming experiential, I won't say experienced, not, per, not perfectionist, but we are experiencing the will of God in the word of righteousness. Again, the church says, I don't need to know all this. I just need to know Jesus loves me. Well, that's why most Christians are in the mess they're in. Because, my friend, you need to know sound doctrine. It's not, listen, you, you can know God loves you and say that all day long and, say that, and tell him you love him, but that doesn't mean you're not going to be in a spiritual mess in your life. That doesn't mean, mean that your marriage is not going to come to ruins or your children is going to be becoming what they should be at your teaching them the admonition of the Lord, at you training them up in the way they should go. It's when you're walking in the light that your Lord is in, you're going to be seeing where that light is reflecting to you from. Hallelujah. No, it's not just Him. 
It's him and what he did at Calvary. Because without the cross, there is no light. There is no light without the cross. And I'm thankful to know that today. I hope this ministry is a blessing to you. That the Lord is able to reach into your heart through the truths you hear through this ministry. <clears throat> and he can, he can deposit what needs to be there for the magnification of Christ and the glorification of our Heavenly Father and for your increase in the things the Lord is doing in and through your life. I'm thankful for every one of you soldiers of the cross, all of you 